0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, I hope you're ready for the Word. I am ready for the word of God today. I love the word. Today we're gonna talk about living a full life according to the biblical word view, the biblical word view. My objective today is to motivate believers to view the world according to scripture. God expects us to think his thoughts after him instead of interpreting the world the way we wanna interpret it or by pop culture and media. So we have to ask ourselves the question, do we think like God in all areas of life, or do we think differently than God according to how we view money, how we view sexuality, how we view work, how we view politics, how we view every extension of our life. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about Psalm 1 today. And in light of this psalm, you know, I've thought about how most Christians' only goal is to make it to heaven. Their goal is just to be saved here and do the minimum that is required. Just go to church on Sunday, give some money, and then get to heaven. But when you examine the worldview of the Jewish people, the Hebraic mindset, even as we see today in Psalm 1, The Jewish mindset of the scriptures was never to escape the earth and go to heaven, but was to participate with God in this life to renew the earth, to renew and restore the earth. Matter of fact, they were looking for a Messiah who was going to rule from Jerusalem and affect every kingdom of the world. And so this first psalm deals with how to live a God informed life in a fallen world. So let's go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 starts off by saying, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What are the consequences of this kind of lifestyle? says he will live like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. And so going back to the beginning, he says, blessed is the man. The word blessed means highly favored. It means that God thinks highly of you, and God's going to bless you and cause you to profit in every endeavor of your life as long as it's according to his will and word. And so this psalm is assuming that the blessed person is somebody who follows what is being taught in the rest of the psalm. So blessed is the man who does what? Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Counsel has to do with the given advice, and so it means By implication, a blessed person is one who's not being informed by those who don't serve God, who don't honor God. Means that they don't have the view of the world and the values of the world of those that uh, don't serve the Lord. And as a consequence, they don't walk in the counsel or in the advice or in the principles of those who are ungodly. And the result of that is because their thinking is biblical, and by the way, we're to love God with our mind, not just our heart. It's not just about emotions and being sentimental about God and singing songs to God, but we have to love him on Monday, not just Sunday, with our mind. And the result of living like this is that they don't stand in the path of sinners. They don't stand in the path of sinners. So first we talk about the counsel of the ungodly. Then he's talking about the path of sinners. One has to do with the way you think. The other has to do with the way you live. And so if you think like the ungodly, you will follow the path of the ungodly. You will live like them. Tells us in Proverbs 23:7, "'As a man thinks, so he is.'" So that's what this is talking about here. If you don't think like the ungodly, you will not walk in their paths. You will not conform to the world. You will not do what they do. You will not celebrate what they celebrate, and you will not want to do or have desires that conform to the world and do what they do. Uh, And then he says, they don't stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. Whenever it talks about sitting in a seat, in scripture it's a metaphor for authority. So perhaps what it's talking about here is that as a leader, you're not going to conform to the world when they are anti-God, when they are mocking or dismissing the things of God, that even if you have influence in your community, you will never, ever compromise your faith. And that's not an easy thing to do because many leaders, political leaders, community leaders, they start off as Christians, But in order to stay in power, they compromise their values so that they can get more and more people to like them and to vote for them. But we have to understand that we have been elect by God, chosen by God, and we need to please him more than please man. And so those who are favored by God, don't sit in the seat of mockers. They don't accompany them. They don't conform to them. They don't participate in anti-God or anti-biblical speech, language, literature, social media posting, books, commentary. They're not a part of that. And the fact that it says they don't sit in the seat of mockers assumes that they're part of the leadership. They have a right to sit in this seat but they choose not to participate with dismissing the things of God and then there is in the Psalms a literary genre uh, of parallelism in other words to make a point both in especially in Proverbs but at times in Psalms it gives the total opposite so what is the opposite so that we could know the truth of what God is saying what is the opposite of walking in the counsel of the ungodly, walking the path of sinners, and not mocking along with those who sit in seats of authority. What is the opposite or what is the way out of living like that? He tells us, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And so the word meditate here has to do with musing over pondering speaking muttering thinking about ordering your life upon it not just quickly uh, going through the scripture or hearing it and forgetting what you heard but letting it resonate in your soul by entertaining its truth inside of your heart and so the way not to conform to the world the way not to walk in the path of sinners and the way not to be a participant in dismissing and mocking the things of God, the only way out of being sucked into that vortex in this world of groupthink is to delight in the law of the Lord. Now, when we think about the law of the Lord, in this context, the law is referring to the first five books of Moses, but for the sake of our message today. We're just going to include the whole Bible when we think about the law. And so the law is our delight. The Word of God is our delight. And in that law, in that word, we're meditating day and night. It's not just a once a week Sunday deal. It's not just a five minute thing in the morning, reading the booklet, Our Daily Bread, or Uh, Jesus Calling, some people read that, or some other things. It's where you're meditating, you're diving into it, you're immersed into the Word of God day and night. It's, It's the way you guide yourself, it's your worldview, it's the way you interpret everything that comes your way, whether you read the newspapers, you're watching the news, you're hanging out with friends on the job, you're playing sports you're meditating, you're thinking of what the Word of God is saying in light of the situation you're in. This way you could act according to it. And what is the result of somebody who meditates on the Word, who delights in the Word, who loves the Word? And by the way, The word delight is powerful because God wills not only that we discipline ourselves to read the word, but that we acquire an appetite for the word, that we long for the word, that we hunger for the word, that we thirst for the word, that it becomes the joy of our soul. And so it may start off with discipline, where you have a reading program and you force yourself to pray and read even if you don't feel like it but eventually what happens is you delight in the word and that's what God's highest will is that it's not just mere discipline it's delight it's something if you had a choice you would choose more than anything else in your life and so that kind of person who delights who's gotten to that point where their greatest love is to love God with their heart and their mind and to meditate and think about his word. What is the result of that? It says in verse three, they will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. So the metaphor here is rivers of water. So a tree in the natural that is planted by the rivers of water is always gonna get the nutrients, the nourishment, the strength to continue to grow, to develop, and to sustain itself. And so what it's saying here is when we give God opportunity and space and prioritize and delight in his word, we're gonna be put in a position for constant nourishment same way that tree is constantly getting fed that water, we will be in a position where we're renewed, we're revived, we're restored. It's quite amazing how Uh, The Word of God can refresh us. The Word of God can excite us. The Word of God can encourage us. The Word of God inspires us. The Word of God is living and active and in any double-edged sword. It convicts us. It shows us what is of self, distinguishes between soul and spirit and joints and marrow. The Word of God is our source of information, but it's not just information. It's our source of impartation. It's our source of the knowledge of God, it's not a dry historical book filled with uh, folklore and mythology, it's a living document, an oracle of God that is passed from one generation to the next, it's as powerful and potent today as it was during the days of Paul and Peter, the apostles of the first century original church. And so we have to understand that when we delight in the word, we're actually putting ourselves in a position to be like a tree planted by the streams of water. If you plant a tree in the dry, arid desert, it's not gonna last long. And if you're a Christian and you don't have a robust personal study time, if you don't give God space every day and opportunity by pouring over his word, by spending time in his presence, uh, what's gonna happen is it's like taking uh, a, a tree and putting it in the desert. Eventually you're gonna die, but you have to, give God the opportunity, put yourself in that position where you're constantly being renewed and restored by the Word of God. So you're a tree that is planted near or in proximity to a river of water. Wow, that's what the Word of God does. It refreshes, it restores. Many times I am weary or I'm in fear or I'm in anxiety or I'm discouraged. Uh, or I don't have the strength to go on, and I'll just read the Word of God, I'll pour over uh, the Psalms or another part of the Bible, and, and within a few minutes, I start getting strength on the inside of my soul. In myself, I could never do what I'm called to do. And if you don't give God space, you'll never be able to finish your assignment. You'll never be able to fulfill the responsibilities God has given you as a mother, a husband, a wife, or a student, or a Christ follower in any realm of life. And so this is needed. And the most important thing to delight in your life is God and his word. And so you'll be like that tree You'll be near rivers of water. And the result is you're going to bring forth your fruit in its season. What does that mean? Well, it says the word season, which implies the fact that things don't manifest instantly a lot of times. The Word will give you the patience to keep on going, to keep on believing, to keep on sowing, knowing that eventually you're going to reap. There is a season for everything in life. And those who don't have the strength of the Word... Those who are not hearing the word, which gives us faith, will not have what it takes to continue on in their Christ journey, their Christ-centered journey, uh, because they will give up, they will lose heart. But the Bible says that you will bear fruit in your season, at the right season. In the same way, there are four seasons, and we don't always have apples. We don't have, it's not always the season for oranges or pineapples, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is a season in which you're going to reap what you've sown. And until you get into the Word on a regular basis, you won't have the faith, the courage, and the endurance to wait until God manifests himself in your life. And so if you delight in the Word... You'll be like a tree planted by the water. You will have fruit that will bear, that will be brought forth in its season. Your leaf will not wither. That has to do with the fact that you will produce genuine fruit. You will not produce counterfeit fruit. You will not produce things that have no quality or vitality. Your fruit will remain. Your fruit will endure until it accomplishes its purpose so it's not going to wither. Uh, The opposite of that is if you're thinking like the world, even if you're a Christian, and many Christians unfortunately have a pagan or humanistic worldview, if you're thinking like the world, a lot of the fruit you bear will not last. It's not genuine because it's not informed and shaped by God's Word. And so, he ends it by saying, not only will you, your leaf not wither, but then he says, whatever you do will prosper. That doesn't mean like the prosperity gospel preachers teach that we're longing for great riches materially uh, or something like that. What it's talking about, if we're in the will of God and we're doing what God wants because we're delighting in his word and we're being informed and shaped by his word and because of that, we're doing what he wants us to do. The result is that whatever we do will prosper in its season because we're being favored and blessed by God because we're in his will. Whether that has to do with material blessing, uh, physical healing, or just the enjoyment of seeing people come to Christ, make disciples, and having influence for the glory of God. Whatever it is, whatever you do will prosper because you're informed by God's will instead of your own will. When you're in God's will, whatever you do will eventually manifest fruit and prosper. Well, the opposite here is another parallel. The opposite is the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. So what it's saying here is those who are mockers, who are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, whose seat is amongst the scorners and mockers, they will not bear fruit in its season. They will have leaves that will wither. Whatever they touch eventually will be a disappointment and they will fail miserably, even if in the world they have success, they will never feel that joy and that fulfillment inside their life. They're not like a tree planted by rivers of water, but they're like a tree that keeps on trying to prop itself up by accolades of men and by happiness and things the world provides even though it's in the midst of a desert. It's a hopeless situation. People who don't follow Christ, they live for pleasure because they have momentary happiness, but they don't have that internal joy that comes from the river of the throne of God. And so people who are ungodly and not so, meaning they don't enjoy the benefits that we just talked about, but they are like the chaff. Chaff has to do with that dry, scaly skin uh, that breaks away from the plants or the wheat. Um, And because it's light in substance, it's easily blown away by the wind. The wind drives it away. And so you do produce some kind of substance when you're not following God. But it's like chaff. As Soon as the wind blows, it's gone. It will not last forever. It will not have enduring fruit. It'll be like straw. It's easy to fill a lot of buildings up with straw, but it's a lot harder to fill even one room up with silver, gold, and precious metals. Um, And so they may produce a lot of work, and it looks like it's accomplishing some, but if it's straw or chaff, it will soon be blown away. It will not last, and their legacy will go down the tubes. And so the ungodly are not so. They, not just their works, are like chaff, that the wind will blow away. Therefore the ungodly will not stand in the judgment. Why? Because they, their life itself is chaff, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. So the ungodly are not so. They will not stand in the judgment. All of us are going to stand before God as our judge. Jesus came to save us, but the next time he comes bodily will be to judge, not to save. And every one of you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Are you going to be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, or are you going to be like chaff? that the wind is going to drive away. Are you building your life upon Jesus, or are you building your life upon your own selfish desires? Are you being informed by the group think of the world and by popular culture? Are you just running with every phrase that's out there and everything that people are celebrating uh, without being informed by the Bible? Or are you fearing the Lord, loving and delighting in his word, and putting him first? My goal today is that you would study, but delight in the Word so that you will not be like the chaff that is blown away, so that you will not sit in the seat of the mockers, so that you won't walk in the path of sinners, and you will not walk with the advice and the concepts of the ungodly, because one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, meaning they will not have a place in the assembly. Uh, they will be cast out, as Jesus said many times in the Gospels, into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where their worm dies not, and it's just a terrible place. We don't know how much of that is figurative, but we do know one thing, that eternity without Christ is a very dark scary gloomy place that is not a nice place it's a place of suffering because we're separated from God forever just the thought of knowing you could have been with God for eternity even if there was no literal fire or literal worms as some of the things that are described in the gospels even if that wasn't so and I'm not saying it wasn't the thought of knowing that you could have been with your saved loved ones or you could have been in the bliss of eternity with God and that you denied this God, you mocked him, and you had many opportunities to follow him. You have people preaching. You've listened to this message today, and you don't know the Lord, and you still didn't surrender. That alone will haunt you for eternity because you're always going to say, what if, what if, what if? Bible says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And if you're hearing God's voice now, God wants you to be able to stand with him in the judgment. It says, sinners will not be in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way to righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. He knows he can't be fooled. You could fool your spouse, your children, your employees, your boss, your neighbors, but one person you can't fool is God. So God is admonishing you today through this beautiful poetic psalm. Delight in the Lord, delight in him. Come to him for your eternal salvation. Your reward will be great, but it's not just the reward in heaven. Here on this earth, you will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You will bear fruit in your season. You will constantly be nourished to be prosperous in the things that God has called you to do in this life. You don't have to wait for the next life, but even now, You could have a sense of purpose in the midst of trials. You could have a sense of destiny, and you could still feel that satisfaction of accomplishing something of eternal value, even while you're in this life. Before you die, physically make that decision and become that Christ follower. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Father, I pray that every person who hears this word today will be like that tree planted by the rivers of water. That they would say, I don't want to sit in the seat of the scorners or the mockers. I don't want to be in the path of sinners. I don't want to be with those who don't fear and respect God. I don't want to walk in their counsel, but I want to delight in God. Turn my heart, God, towards you, that I would follow you all the days of my life. Now, if you want to receive Christ, why don't you pray this prayer right now with me If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, that he's alive right now, the Bible says if you call upon Jesus as your Lord, you will be saved. It says if you admit with your mouth, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's your king and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, that's a promise of God. So if you don't know the Lord or if you wanna recommit your life to Christ, wanna repeat, you repeat this prayer right now after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and was punished for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead and that he's alive now Please come in my life, Jesus. I'm yours. I give you my heart. Wash me with your blood. Forgive my sins. And give me the power of the Holy Spirit that I can follow you. Help me to find a church that preaches the word of God so I could have people that I could walk with instead of the ungodly, I could walk with the godly and stand now in the congregation of the Lord. Oh, God, help me to find that church and help me to stay connected online to this church if I don't live near it until I find that right congregation. I want to be amongst the people of God and not only finding uh, thoughts, being exposed to the world and what they have to say, help me, God, to be informed by your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. If you receive Jesus Christ, we wanna walk with you. The Bible says, if you continue in Jesus' word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We hope to see you real soon. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. All the information is on the screen. God bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718 436 0242 Extension Zero.